if you're a qualified fitness professional, studying to be a fitness professional, sector or industry educator, or generally have an interest in the areas of health, fitness and well-being, then this, the Active IQ podcast, is well worth tuning into. We're the leading awarding organisation for the physical activity sector, keen to explore and share topical content via discussion, conversation, debate and Q&A shows, all with great guests and industry experts. This ensures that we give you, the listener, key insights into all things related to health, exercise, nutrition, mindset and performance. So please like, share and subscribe if you find the content of interest and be sure to check out our website at www.activeiq.co.uk. Hello there, James Clack again from Active IQ here and welcome along to another episode of our podcast series where today I'll be discussing the topic of mindset and the use of NLP in terms of a tool from NLP um, known as anchoring in a, as a means to helping or assisting clients or the clients that you might have as a fitness professional move towards more of a growth mindset. So a topic that's really really interesting from my perspective and also I know from my guests and hopefully something that you as fitness professionals working in the industry will be able to relate to and if it's something that's new to you then maybe it will spark an interest for you to look into it a little bit further. So once again I'm joined by Phil Wright the fitness professional owner and lead coach of P13 Athlete an online athletic community and coaching program. If you've listened to previous podcasts Phil's joined me on a number of these now, but he's a regular contributor to our Skills Hub content. So welcome along, Phil. How are you doing on this fine day? Um, I'm very well and, and good morning, James. Yes, I'm, I'm very well indeed. It, it's Friday. Um, obviously, that may not be the case if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast, but as we're recording it, it's Friday and Friday is a brilliant day. Friday fun day. Excellent stuff. <laughs> so obviously, you've been, you've been a bit of a regular now. It's almost become a bit of a, a James and Phil show. But I, I know. Yeah. I, but if people want to find out a bit more about your backstory, like I mentioned in our last podcast, they can go to episode seven or eight, I think it is, where you talk a little bit more about, about your kind of journey in the industry. So again, I hope that's okay, Phil, if we, we don't cover that, just to save a bit of time and cut straight to the point. Absolutely. Podcast. Yes, that's fine with me. Excellent. So what what would probably be a logical place to start really is to look at where NLP kind of fits into this because we've mentioned it in previous podcasts so yeah. if i give a bit of an overview of what nlp is from from my background my perspective and you feel free to to chime in at any point and also just to kind of set the scene for where it links to mindset as well for our listeners if they don't know where nlp came from what it is and how it might be useful as a fitness professional so essentially it's it's kind of regarded as a results driven or focused technology and it, it's all based around this attitude of a level of curiosity and a desire to learn new skills as a means to influencing other people that's how i see it anyway but you know if if we kind of dig a little bit deeper and try and simplify that a little bit more it's really about the study of human excellence i guess and how we can yeah. communicate more effectively to to influence other people that we might come into contact with or work with and that's something which really all fitness professionals should concern themselves with our, our, from my perspective as well because you know we're in the business of working with people human beings um in order to to help them strive to be the best that they can be and, and get the results they want often we have to tackle things like communication and look at how we communicate with others and what kind of influence we have 
on them in a positive way in terms of whether that be role model or helping them to, to make changes or bust habits and form new habits, etc. But we want them to be the best version of themselves as well. So all of the skills within NLP seem to, or from my experience, help. So it was created by two Americans, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. You tend to hear much more about Richard Bandler these days. John Grinder has, has kind of taken less of a public presence in relation to NLP. But they, they formulated this on the assumption that all behaviour has a structure to it, an underlying structure that in essence can be modelled and then learnt. Um, and we can also then teach that as a, a kind of reprogrammed or different way of approaching something which we might not have had success in previously. So hence where it gets it's the term technology really. It is a process that enables people to learn better sets of skills or better approaches to doing things, which increases the likelihood of success. And it, it leverages the kind of three things really. So we've got nervous system, which is where we get neuro from, our language via you know verbal and non-verbal communication systems. So that's where the linguistics comes from. And also then our ability to actually organize these two things, our nervous system and our communication systems so that we can use them in a, in a really kind of, kind of almost laser beam approach that that helps achieve specific outcomes and results so that's kind of it in a nutshell there are presuppositions as they're called or assumptions that it has its foundations in i won't go into all of those but but a few that stand out for me is that what your view of the world is isn't necessarily what others are perceiving so they call that the map is not the territory. That's the fundamental approach from my perspective or the underpinning part of it, which I'm always really drawn to looking at it from someone else's perspective rather than your own. And the other one is the link between body and mind. I think we often overlook that. We, we kind of tend to treat what happens in someone's mind in isolation to what happens with their body. And if we can kind of interconnect those two in a much more efficient way, then we typically see better results. So, yeah. Two of those really stand out for me. There's lots of others like all behavior has a positive intention. Um, there is no yeah. failure, only feedback. Really like that one as well. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I, I guess one other, which, which is really important, is the communication aspect in terms of taking a step back, looking at our, how we actually communicate with, with our clients and the people that we work with around the meaning of communication is the response that we get. I believe that's how it's termed. So yeah if I recall from my days of doing the, the courses and essentially looking at you're going to get a message or the response that you're going to get from people that you interact with is going to reflect how you communicate or what you expect from them or well, not necessarily what you expect from them but how you communicated that with them and it's it's well worth taking a bit of time to look at your own communication styles in things like consultations and sessions with clients so I've, I've waffled on enough about NLP so I guess to, to kind of draw you into this really from your perspective how does mindset fit in with the concept of nlp from from your experience as a fitness professional how, how have you used because you've mentioned in previous podcasts that you know you've got background in nlp as well so how have you used that what is mindset from your perspective and how have you used nlp to to work with clients yeah, I mean, I suppose one one thing that I want to add and extend to to what you've mentioned, and it's it's really interesting actually, just sitting here and listening to your perspective on NLP, um, and I completely agree with it. And um, I think just extending it, one of the things that you mentioned there, James, was that 
NLP is a, a, a science, a mechanism, a series of tools that help us to um, bring out the best in people and help them to become the best versions of themselves. But I would, I would also say that actually um, it kind of, or it can start with self as well. So I would say that it's an excellent science to, to help better understand yourself um, and gain uh, a, a much deeper awareness of how you process things, how you interpret situations and actually un- be able to understand that better um, and get a richer, I suppose, relationship with your, with your own self, with your own mind, with how you, you know, understand and, and experience situations and things um, and, uh, and, and be able to respond and deal with them better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think NLP is, is not just about helping other people, it's about helping yourself as well. Um, and in doing that, that can often lead to um, being able to help people even more um, because, you, you know, you're not, you're not sort of approaching situations with perhaps as much bias or with, you know, with just that better, that greater awareness. Um, so, I, yeah, I know that's got, not directly answered your question there, but um, in terms of what, what is mindset, um, it's, I'm sure this can be defined in many different ways. Um, I, I would say that in simple terms, it's kind of mental state. Um, it's, it's an interchangeable thing. It's not a constant. Um, you know, it's often influenced heavily by our emotions. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. That's and fine. this is purely because this is purely, well, two, two things actually. So when, um, when we sort of exchanged a couple of little preparation notes, in a, you know, um, prior to us recording this podcast, um, it kind of triggered a couple of things in my mind. So when I, before stepping into the world of fitness, I was an Arabic interpreter. Um, and I suppose the, the, the link here is language. So obviously, as someone learning and working within a foreign language, um, you, you you learn new things, you learn new ways that people talk about things. And and it's a bit of a sort of um, uh, an, perhaps a, a spurious link in some ways. But in Arabic, when people ask, how are you or how are you doing? If you literally translate the words that they use, what they say is, what color are you? Really? Um, yeah. And, and, and I find that quite interesting because cause actually I think, colors can can be used quite effectively to kind of um to to describe feelings and and a and a state and 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 on a completely unrelated note very recently um and we were myself and my wife were unaware of this but we've got two daughters our youngest daughter is currently at nursery and they have a color system to help understand how the children are feeling um but we weren't made aware of this by the nursery. We just kind of started realizing or cottoning on to the fact that Joey, our youngest daughter, um, just kept using colors to the sort of, and, and mentioning colors, but we were sort of, uh, what does that kind of mean? But they, they have red to describe anger. They have, um, I think, blue to describe sadness, yellow to describe happiness. And actually, I, I think that is that's quite. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I suppose the point is that 
mindset isn't kind of black and white. It's not binary. You know, there's not a, a good and a bad state mindset. Um, there's there's lots of in-betweens and there's lots of ranges, um, you know, and I think it's constantly fluctuating by by influences, by the environment that we're in, by other people, by what we see, what we hear, how we what we smell even. You know, mindset is just constantly on a on a state of change, if yeah. that's possible. Um, so I've I've gone around about the houses a little bit and sort of how I've answered that question. But I, I think hopefully, you know, in in simple terms, I would say mental state, but influenced by a lot of different things and and constantly in a a state of of change. There's a couple of things you've kind of alluded to there. That if I touch on the, the change part, we can't constantly be in this state of euphoria. Um, we, we, no. As humans, we just can't function like we'd be exhausted all the time. And equally, it's totally undesirable to be in, in the other end, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, totally flat yeah. down, depressed, um, however you want to define it. And yeah. it is about finding the right mindset for certain tasks, certain situations. And I guess that's part and parcel of coaching clients and working with clients to establish what mindsets are required for what situations and how do you access them? And that's something which we'll touch on in a bit around anchoring, I'm sure. So this this whole thing around right mindset for the right situation and the ability to change it very, very quickly, um, because we can quickly go from being very happy one minute, you know, to something happening the next and it totally sends us in the opposite direction in this spiral of almost rage or anger classic example road rage you're having a great day on your way to work it's nice and sunny all of a sudden someone cuts you up and that's it the rest of your day could potentially be ruined <laughs> how do you get out of that then how do you stop that spiral and that escalation into that turmoil where this very very small event where actually no one got harmed fortunately and how do you stop that and go back to this happy state or an even happier state of mind so yeah, really, really important. And and the other thing was you touching upon colours. That really interests me because for those of you out there that have done NLP or have a knowledge of it, if you look at the submodalities that are used within NLP, which is something which we're not, we won't talk about so much today, but colour is used very, very much in that. And I, I use it a lot when working with clients um, in the past yeah. in terms of getting them to explore really, really positive experiences, memories, events, getting them to describe it in as much detail as possible. And, you know, the association of colour with those situations and how we can exploit the colours to actually change someone's mindset. I, I find really powerful with the work that I've done with, with people previously. So it's interesting that they ask that. Uh, yeah, I never knew that. And it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. So if if you're ever traveling to or going to a, an Arab speaking country or place, um, the actual phrase is shulaunak. So laun is is color, shu is what, uh, and the ak sound at the end is is kind of directing that question to the person to you. Um, or if you were speaking to a lady, it would be shulaunik. So yeah. <laughs> what, how, how do you this might be a really silly question on my part how do you respond what is the typical what would be the, Ooh, uh, the response yeah from, from well you? I, I i suppose the um um i in all manner of ways i mean you know in uh in the true sort of arab sense they can be quite creative and floral in their in their response to that um or uh, they could actually just respond by saying good, okay, right. which is kind of very much a, a British type yeah. of um, re response, you know, um, 
you know we are, we often say that without even thinking or giving you know uh giving thought to to how we're actually feeling we just sort of i know i do personally quite often if people ask how i'm doing i'll often just give a standard default um you know response without thinking and then sometimes afterwards reflect and think how how am i actually (laughs) i'm I'm all right or i'm brilliant you know but um yeah it's a it's a funny one yeah and i guess Um, you know, we're often asked, aren't we, oh, how are you? And we have this automated response. We, we, we kind of don't think about how we are. We just go, yeah, I'm fine. Fine, thanks. Yeah. And, and again, part of, you know, a lot of mental health awareness training is around actually how far do you just accept that or do you actually ask again and in another way yeah. to try and elicit yeah. actually how that person is feeling um, because they might not present themselves in, in that way. So, yeah, yeah, valuable skills to explore. But, uh, but I think, we, you know, what, what you're saying um, and – absolutely vital is that there is this implicit relationship between mind and body Um, and if we as fitness professionals can help people towards a positive state of mind or mindset during a session then there is no argument that they're just simply going to get more out of that session if they can if they can you know obviously dependent upon what what type of session that is it requires mindset to be to be focused on the task in hand um you know i I quite often use the description as you can perhaps um link in with some of the ways that i've described things in previous podcasts um uh to cars uh you know and in terms of training sessions working with clients i'll often describe the gears on a car for sort of the amount of effort that i'm looking for you know if you need people to be revving high and pushing really hard then it's very difficult to get that from them that level of effort and intensity if if they're just in a, a state of mind that's just not not present in the room you know perhaps they're still thinking about their their email their inbox perhaps they're thinking about the workload or stresses at home mm. you know and you know it's almost you can drag them kicking and screaming but um but if you know if they're not there mentally then you're just not going to get that effort level um so mindset is is key uh you know and if if we can be a part of helping assist with that process then the you know we're then we're 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 really helping the client even more and you know you're alluding to to clients that you're already working with you know in in gym sessions but there's also the consideration around that new person to an exercise environment or embarking on a change in terms of they may well have been in that what's classed as the fixed mindset yeah till then believing that everything that's happened to them in the past has happened for a reason it was they haven't got the ability it's innate and that this kind of failure is is almost permanent it's never going to be any different for them and it's how you actually move them from that fixed mindset into this kind of growth more desirable mindset whereby actually they acknowledge they can change they can grow and by doing things practicing they will actually get better and it's all about the journey rather than success or failure it's how can they they develop and grow as a, as a person and I, I guess from working with people from those two mindsets because you would have done it i'm sure all fitness professionals would have done what yeah. do you see the challenges with someone who presents with a fixed mindset how, how do you kind of tend to approach someone who who, who turns up with, yeah. with that kind of well, 
belief yeah, system. Yeah, I think the, the challenges with with someone having a mixed fixed mindset, sorry, is that they genuinely can believe that um, there are limit limitations, there are limits placed on what they are capable of doing, and that's that's often, as you said, there. It's often um, that's often built from experience of what they've experienced in the past, thinking that you know if that's the way it's been, then that's the way it is, and that's the way it will be. Um, whereas someone who comes with a, a growth mindset, you know, there are no limits. The the sky's the limit. The 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 possibilities are endless, um, and I think you know having someone in in that obviously is is far more desirable. Um, how do I approach someone who who comes with a fixed mindset? Um, I I think obviously you've you've got to sort of as we've said in previous podcasts. Calibrating an individual is important because people respond differently to to different things. Um, but I suppose my my first response would, in a in a I say delicate way, in a way that I feel they're going to respond positively to. I would I would challenge their language. You know, if, and often uh, you know I'll start with a, a premium example. Um, I can't do that. Um, that is something I'm sure pretty much every personal trainer has heard, whether it's a heavy weight, whether it's a particular exercise, a certain technical progression that you're pushing them towards, um, whether it's jumping. I don't know changing um, diet. if you've <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah, changing diet. I can't do that, you know. Um, and and my, my immediate response was, can't you? Um, you know, because can't is a is a, an interesting word. My not related to the world of NLP, but my granddad. I just um, unfortunately he passed away at quite a young age. But one of the real vivid memories I have of him um, was that he he just said there is no such thing as can't. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's uh, it won't. <laughs> um, you know, take responsibility for for whether or not you you're going to at least attempt it. Um, and, and that was something that stuck with me. And I didn't understand that as NLP, you know, that was just him challenging my language and challenging me. Um, and that was a good thing, but yeah, that would, that would certainly be one of my first, uh, attempts to, to try and get them to question the, the language that, that they're using. It's often a knee-jerk response, I think, with, with people. You know, myself included. Oh, there's times I say I can't do that. You know, and it's mm. it. We just we automatically default to that. I guess based on what kind of mindset we're in that day, etc., etc. Absolutely. So, and, and I think I feel, everyone's got. Sorry. No, that's sorry, fine, Kevin. Every, everyone's got boundaries, haven't they? And 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 you know, um, a comfort zone and a, a stretch zone. You know, everyone's got a a perimeter to where they feel confident. Um, and some people, if we're, if we're sort of thinking about this visually, you know, and, and that being a line in the, or a circle in the sand that goes around them, um, you know, some people that's going to be a pretty small circle and actually stepping into it, as you said, if someone's coming into a fitness environment and trying to make change for the first time in a long time, then perhaps um, that, that circle is going to be pretty small. Whereas people who have a little bit more confidence, you know, that circle is, is going to be greater. However, there is always, it's still there. And so if you push people to the edge of what their comfort zone is, however big or small it is, you know, that 
that level of self-belief is going to have um, it's going to have an impact on what they feel capable of doing and what they don't feel capable of doing. And that that's all mindset. Yeah, completely. And, and, and for me, it's often it's about not being afraid to challenge someone on, on their belief systems. And we can do that quite simply, you know, with very short, quite precise statements. And another one I really like, it's related to the can't situation is what stops you? Because they have to actually yeah. go in and start drilling down to what actually, what does stop me? And start yeah. questioning their own belief about what they can't do. And then that yeah. opens the dialogue, like you say, and we can start sort of chipping away at breaking down those those barriers, which often, in my, in my experience, don't really exist. It is just this mm. something which maybe started as an opinion, which then turned into a, a belief. And we want to try and catch it before it almost becomes a conviction for them, where it's much harder to, to get that change. But... Yes, absolutely. So at the other end of the spectrum, then, we get the, the growth mindset people. We're typically much easier to work with. And this is obviously those who we want to or those that we can help um, quite easily and typically far more easily than those with that fixed mindset. But there's such a almost pleasure to work with sometimes, but equally not always as challenging. And if you like a challenge, I guess clients who have this, you know, uber enthusiasm growth mindset all the time, they can present equal challenges sometimes, I guess, in terms of Mm. how do you work with them? What, what is it that you want me to help you with? You're pretty focused already. What am I here for as the, as the fitness professional, the PT or, or whatever capacity you work with them? And I guess that presents yeah. challenges. Have you ever experienced yeah. anything around that? I think, um, well, I, you know, I'm going to um, I'm going to use my, my youngest daughter a little bit here. Um, and it is something that I've experienced with clients. And we are looking at the very extreme end here. So people with, you know, unbelievable levels of self-confidence, um, actually, they, they can be uh, their own worst enemy in, in some ways because they are willing to try things that perhaps ex- genuinely are on the border of their physical capabilities and and the level of injury or the you know the level of risk of injury can can be great so my youngest daughter um is at a stage and i'm hoping it won't last forever where she has zero fear you know in her mind She's got an older sister to look up to who, who is far more capable than she is in some regards physically. Um, and she thinks, well, I can do that times two. You know, I can I can do that and more. Um, yet she's not developed the, the spatial awareness, perhaps the, the coordination, the balance, uh, the motor skills that are required in order to do it safely. Um, and, and so her level of confidence is, is really, really high but her physical capacity is sometimes not at a level that can match that particular activity or task. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'd say growth mindset is fantastic, but uh, you know, if working with clients who have incredible levels of confidence, you know, we perhaps, um, you know, need to, to kind of adopt a different approach that, that just gets them to check themselves um, a, a little bit without, without restricting them, you know, without encouraging, you know, you still want to encourage them to be, as you've said, the, you know, the best and really achieve their potential. Um, but at the same time, make sure it's safe. 
<laughs> and I guess it, sometimes those clients which we're describing, and this can be the case with with learners as well, you know, if you're a tutor or teacher, lecturer, working with students, you can get those overly confident, quite cocky learners sometimes. Yeah. I've experienced that in my teaching career. Um, and I guess yeah. in business as well, you know, any, any walk of life. And I guess what we're probably saying is they don't have a growth mindset, really. They probably have quite a fixed mindset in terms of they've already achieved that they are good um, and there yeah. isn't room to grow. Yeah. And I guess it's the yeah. same approach, really. We need to take that same growth mindset approach that we would use with someone who has a fixed mindset in, in a negative way. They, they tend yeah. to look at things more negatively as we would with someone that looks at things very much like they can already do it. I've, I've got uber confidence in that. I don't need to learn anything new. So, yeah, and, and sort of linked with that as well, James, is, um, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, is kind of the, the cause and effect. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, you know, understanding that um, some people feel um, an effect. They feel like they are the product of, of the world around them, and therefore they don't feel like they have control over a lot of things um, and therefore that kind of really restricts and confines their state of mind as to what they believe they're truly capable of. Yeah. Um, you know, this will often, you know, sort of present itself by them blaming other things, externalizing when things go wrong, when things don't go their way or they are, you know, it's, it's, it's a result of this and just pointing the finger outward and being very sort of, external when they're sort of giving reasons why something didn't or won't happen whereas people who are on the cause side of the equation take responsibility yeah. you know and and are very much in control of the controllables and have a good awareness for for you know for 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 what is ultimately at their at their control um and i think again encouraging people to move towards the, the cause side rather than the effect side helps people to to you know take more responsibility and and ultimately become more confident with what they can and can't affect yeah. um, and it's a slightly different thing but i think i believe it's it's very much linked with you know the the, the fixed and growth mindset and uh, you know to wrap this this kind of bit about mindset up because we could talk about this all day just on its own and some <laughs> of the things you want to get onto but yeah i would say for people if, if they want to explore mindset more if you haven't heard of it before or have only just come across it or want to focus on on or establish a bit more information about fixed versus growth mindset etc then go and look at the, the original work by professor carol dweck from stanford university in the u.s it's it's really good read and there's been loads of publications books etc written off the back of of her studies research so it's well worth looking at in terms of how we can move from one mindset to another the importance of growth mindset and how it kind of fits in with our own belief systems because the original work was done around education or applied to education but it it, it applies in all walks of life like i said before education health well-being fitness business everything you could you could think of pretty much so a really useful area to explore if you work in in this industry and i would say get out there have a look at it start developing your knowledge around that and see how you can apply some of it to your to your own practice so you still staying then with this concept of mindset because that's what we, we said we were going to focus on you you were kind of talking about one of the tools and we had a conversation before that you really like to use with with clients that you work with to help develop this growth mindset and move to a more kind of set of positive beliefs about oneself 
being yeah. that of anchoring, which yeah. has its foundations in neurolinguistic programming, NLP, hence why I kind of gave a bit of an overview about that at the start. So for our listeners then, could you give your perspective on what anchoring is if they've never come across it before? And it's nothing to do yeah. with ships. I'll add. No, no, it, <laughs> no, it's nothing to do with ships. So, so anchoring, I would say, is, is simply... Um, are simply controllable triggers. Um, so I think the first thing to understand as I see it is that it happens naturally. It's not something, whilst anchoring itself is very much a tool within NLP, um, the, the idea or the concept of triggers happens all the time. You know, we see something and it evokes a memory and that in turn evokes uh, as an emotion, be it good, bad or indifferent. Um, you know, uh, we smell something and all of a sudden it takes us back to a time where we've, we've previously smelt that. And again, those emotions, those feelings come flooding in. Yeah. Um, anchoring is, is kind of taking that and the power of that um, to a point whereby we can use it and manipulate it to, as you said, um, push people towards a more positive frame of mind and state of mind so that they can get a better outcome um yeah does that does that sort of hit yeah definitely i think you've explained it quite succinctly there for anyone who's not come across this before is there anywhere where we might have seen this in the world around us previously if you you can't you probably can pick yeah. up where you've used it before yourself if you're listening to this podcast but is there anywhere that we might have seen this more publicly maybe yeah, I think, um, you know, I think when you become in tune to, to it and how different people use it and play with it and manipulate with it, um, you, you start to pick up on little things. It can be extremely subtle, but I'm going to choose one that perhaps shows my age a little bit. So for anyone that's younger than me and perhaps hasn't heard of this, I apologize now. But, um, but in the world of, of, of sport, obviously, there, there can be a, a professional level, a lot of pressure at, at the very top. Um, and, uh, you know, people, people handle that pressure differently. I, I remember you, when I was a little bit younger watching a very famous tennis player at Wimbledon called Ivan Lendl. Um, yeah, and one thing he always used to do um, before um, receiving a, from a serve was tap his heels with his tennis racket um, and he kind of he did mention in a few interviews that it was a way of, um, of, of putting himself into of just calming his nerves a little bit um, and help him become more relaxed and less tensed up and, and you know sort of wired um, and that is very much you know an example of, of anchoring it's just um, some, I mean he was doing a physical action there to, as, a, as an anchor, as a bit of a trigger to kind of create this more relaxed state of mind. Um, but, uh, but I would say that, you know, that is a, is a great example. There's a lot more subtle ones, uh, you know, I know in the world of, of performance, um, you know, X factor is a thing. Um, and I'm sure we've all seen some people handle the pressure of being on stage in front of thousands of people and millions of TV viewers well and and we've also seen people handle that pressure um a little bit differently um the the good thing is that they do have coaches performance coaches who are able to support them in this 
um, and you can see them learning as that as the X Factor series goes on, different different techniques to to kind of just calm calm themselves and help them be composed when it comes to their actual performance. Um, this might include clenching a fist or just touching themselves on the on the hip or squeezing two fingers together. Um, you know, they, these are all little, quite subtle triggers that, that and anchors that people can use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, once they've, I suppose the important thing is once they've identified what they need in order to be able to handle that situation better. So the example I gave with Ivan Lendl was was being calm, um, but but it, but you know every everyone's sort of desired. Um, mental characteristic might be different for for different situations. And I guess, I guess it's like you said, rituals almost. They they are yes, an anchor, absolutely, aren't they? yeah. You know, it's yeah, getting you in yeah, that zone, a change of state from less desirable to more desirable that enables you to function much more clinically, maybe, or be happier or more positive, um, depending on what the situation yeah. you're facing is. So, yeah, what one I really like is the Johnny Wilkinson one from the 2003 World Cup. You know, the way he practiced time and time and time again. And that's the key thing, practice, isn't it? Yeah. Looking at these hands, putting his hands together. And then that triggers the whole chain of of the rest of the um, events in terms of him isolating the crowd, wiping them out, just seeing the little lady, I believe it is. And I think she was called Doris. For the stuff I've read, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But Brilliant. he could just pick out a single little lady sitting in the crowd called Doris. And his aim was to get the ball to her. And this just this motion of putting the hands together and taking that stance literally set up that that ritual or that change of state to get him focused to enable him to to perform and, and score. So yeah, that's one of the most prominent ones that of of recent times. Grand. All right. So in, from an anchoring perspective, then do you do you still use it yourself personally? And, and if so, what kind of impact do you find it has on you? Or do you tend to use it? more so with, with the clients that you work with now and, and what kind of impact or results have you seen with them? Yeah, de- definitely with uh, with myself. Um, so in from a, a trend in trying to keep this sort of fitness related, um, from a training perspective, um, if now and again, um, I like to try and challenge myself physically uh, and sometimes that might include trying to perhaps up some of the weights that I'm lifting so, for instance, deadlift. Um, I really enjoy that exercise for, for building strength and various things. Um, but I also know, um, you know, I'm a bit of a glutton for challenging myself. But I always, when I get to the sort of the higher mindset. levels of what <laughs> what I'm capable of of listening, uh, sorry, what I'm capable of lifting, I do get a little bit nervous as well. Um, but I know you know, in the world that I'm in and with my own experience that um, nervousness mentally is not going to help me perform at my best. Um, so so I personally use anchoring to, to try and just um, state manage how I'm feeling going into those sets where the weight is perhaps stretching myself physically. So I, I definitely use it. You know, sometimes I'll... I'll put a particular song on in my head. I don't often wear headphones, but if I am deadlifting, I'll I'll put my earphones in and um, and put a particular song that just kind of uh, you know helps to 
to just take me somewhere mentally that's going to help me feel feel confident um, and feel strong rather than feeling nervous and weak and stretched, which, which you know, I know going into to a lift, um, a heavier lift, if there's a fraction of doubt in your mind prior to actually making that lift, then that, that can be the difference between, you know, Get it, standing up with the weights with the bar still in your hands and 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 not. Yeah, we we see it, don't <laughs> so we? If you look at Olympic lifting events, powerlifting, and what have you, that you you get the team of or the support team, the coaches really riling up that athlete before, like in the seconds before they go onto that platform and lift, and it occurs in a in a quite a short, succinct period of time to help shift them from one state to the more desirable state. And if yeah. you think about it, if you were shouted at like that and screamed at like that continuously for a, a, an extended period beforehand, the impact of it is going to be minimal or, or decrease. So it, it's it's like he's or linking back to what you said before, it needs to be a trigger. And often the shorter, the sharper that that trigger is, the more impactful yeah. it, it is and the quicker it can change that state. And, and I guess yeah. you've alluded to something there, which is really, really important for us to mention is that with anchoring, it is about typically involving as many of the senses as possible and the power of music sound is is one of the most powerful things or or kickers or triggers that we can use to eliciting yeah. the state that we want there's been loads and loads of research done recently around the power of particular types of music on athletic performance so yeah hence why you see so many people in the gym with with earphones on i can't listen to a podcast for instance in the gym it just doesn't work for me whereas i need upbeat positive sort of rhythmic music that gets me in that zone yeah. really really important what about with clients then how what's kind of impact have you seen is there anything that stands out any client particular without naming names obviously but that stands out in terms of the demonstrating the power of anchoring yeah um well i'm, I'm i've got a few um do you want me to keep it more fitness related um oh, no, because i've got one that kind of well probably this is probably the most for me, as a coach, this is the most powerful example I've personally got. And it happened with a, a personal training client, but it wasn't for, for physical training as such. Um, so I, I'd love to share that if, uh, if that's all right. But it, the example is not sort of in a fitness environment. That's fine. Go for it. Um, so, so I... Um, so one of my and I'm still very good friends um, with with Mark, um, and he uh, he was a personal training client. Um, he was also he also had had quite a um, a high up job within GE, um, and he had a, a, a sort of a European role, and his region was was Europe. So he travelled quite a lot, um, and he was going to a big European conference where he'd been invited to, to speak in front of hundreds of people. He had a massive phobia of public speaking. Um, and, uh, and he, he wasn't feeling particularly great in the, in the build up to it. Um, and, uh, and we actually had some sessions outside of the personal training sessions to, to, to focus on, on building some anchors to help him, through that that event um, and that that uh, that speaking um, uh, gig, as, uh, you know, at, at the conference. Um, so uh, we we only had a couple of sessions just to kind of set the anchors up um, and um, and and practice them. 
and 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 he also practiced using them himself. And as you've said before, you know, practicing uh, can really add to the impact and the power uh, of an anchor. It's kind of you know easy perhaps to understand it, similar to to how you get good at an exercise. You get good at an exercise by doing it well and doing it more. Yeah. Um, and that kind of the same thing with with anchoring you know the more you do it um the less uh sort of robotic it becomes uh you know the, the more sort of impactive and effective it can become um and and actually sort of skipping to the impact side of it um he he used it and it really helped him and uh you know it it, it, it massively added to his confidence beyond that whenever he was public speaking um so so that that for me whilst i wasn't at the event i'm going off kind of how he described it and and the feedback that i got and the conversations i had but um but that for me was one of the best sort of experiences of of using anchoring with a client to overcome something and and get a better outcome and that that really helped Uh, yeah and you've you've kind of confirmed that it's not just about health and fitness or beliefs around health and fitness that that clients might have that we can help change their anchoring it applies to all walks of life and with that if you can develop these kind of skills whether it's anchoring or another kind of tool from the nlp toolkit so to speak what you're actually doing as a fitness professional is opening up your your set of skills um, and the services that you can offer so it doesn't just have to be work that you do with clients on the gym floor you can take it out of there and look more at how you can Im- impact and influence other aspects of their life to make them that more well-rounded person, whether that's in relation to work, well-being, whatever it might be. So it's well worth, from my perspective at least, it's well worth investing time, effort, energy into developing these kind of extracurricular type skills, if you if you like, yeah. because they're invaluable. You can use them all the time and often they just pop up when you when you least expect and there's an opportunity to use it and make a, a meaningful impact with with someone that you're working with oh, so so much so so much so and um, as you said it can touch all areas of someone's life um you know and help them be able to deal and respond to situations yeah. far better and far more effectively definitely all right so we've probably spoken enough about mindset nlp type stuff i think it might be useful if we signpost some resources for people um as part of the description in this podcast so we'll we'll drop them in and signpost people to where they can go and do a bit of reading around anchoring and and maybe give it well for themselves before they go and try it with with clients maybe yeah uh, absolutely so um if you were to google um so when i went through the training i'm still very much in touch with the 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 trainers the people that i learned from in terms of nlp uh a, a a wonderfully gifted couple who've learned from um, I think Richard Bandler himself, but uh, Toby and Kate McCartney. So right. if you were to Google Toby and Kate McCartney, there, there's a lot of online resources that they have, yep. specifically around anchoring and some of the other NLP techniques. Um, you know, I, I could, I can very happily and confidently recommend those because um, personally, I've found them brilliant and yep. uh, and they're very easy to follow as well. Yeah, we would stick that in the the uh, description and I'll, I'll dig out some others as well and so people can go and look around more generally around nlp possibly if they haven't come across it before brilliant i'm very conscious that we we've made this a longer one we intended to make it shorter but we 
we did. We did. We said. Um, <laughs> we we said. Oh, we get this wrapped up in twenty minutes. Yeah. Twenty five minutes. <laughs> We've gone on a little bit, but um, no, it's it's been good. And I, I just I genuinely think this is such. It can be uh, a real game changer because if you can help shift someone's mindset consciously, deliberately, positively for them. Um, I just think, you know, the, really the, the sky's the limit of how much transformation, you know, quite often we use this word transformation, um, but we very much kind of, it's a physical transformation that a lot of people are talking about, whereas actually real life-changing transformation, you know, com- comes from shifting mindset and, and giving people the tools and the resources to be able to do it themselves. And, and I just think it, it can be so powerful. Yeah. Hundred percent, and like I said before, in all walks of life, whether that's from education, working with children, teenagers, adults, into sports scenarios, fitness, health, well-being, business—you name it. It's yeah, seen it work. Yeah. It's very, very powerful. Stuff. Yeah, Fantastic. absolutely. All right, let's uh, knock this one on the head then. So, firstly, thanks to you again, Phil, for joining me on this one, <laughs> and I'm impressed. Well, you got you horned in there. The X factor. How did we get that in? <laughs> <laughs> all good stuff all good stuff so those of you who are listening thanks for your time hopefully you found it useful and do tune in to our channel and listen out for more podcasts which will be coming your way very very soon so have a good rest of your friday phil enjoy your weekend and i'll catch up with you later well you too you too jen cheers thanks bye